Hi, my name is Kirk Hamilton, your host of the Staying Healthy Today Show. This is a show where we bring you key experts in the fields of nutrition, prevention, integrative and lifestyle medicine, review the medical literature, and we review case studies. Today's show topic is how to create a successful plant-based prevention and reversal program in a busy cardiologist practice. Our guest today is Dr. Joel Kahn, MD. He is director of the Kahn Center for Cardiac Longevity. He is the author of The Whole Heart Solution and Dead Execs Don't Get Bonuses. And he's also owner of the Green Space Cafe. And these are all located in Bloomsfield Township, Michigan. Is that correct? Uh, the restaurant's in Ferndale, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit. Got it. And the offices are in Bloomfield Township. Yes, that's correct. And Gross Point, Michigan. Both uh, places have an office. Great. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Khan, for coming on the show today. I greatly appreciate it. It's a pleasure. So tell, tell me a little about your educational background and how you got to be, I guess, a cardiologist and then a, a, a nutritionally-oriented plant-based cardiologist. Sure. You know that pirate on the back of the TV guide? I drove that sucker so well. <laughs> okay, it was a little harder than that. It was just a little harder. <laughs> I uh, grew up in Detroit, went to the University of Michigan undergrad medical school, graduated summa cum laude, plant-based doctors can graduate summa cum laude. And um, stayed in Ann Arbor to do my internal medicine, moved down to the vegan haven of Dallas, Texas, where the word vegan wasn't ever heard at that time. Uh, spent three years training in Dallas at Parkland Memorial Hospital and University of Texas. It was barbecue heaven for a cardiologist. It's a great place to train. And then moved one more time to even uh, a worse place for vegans at the time, Kansas City, where every other building was a steakhouse or a smokehouse. <laughs> And uh, spent a year training in what you call angioplasty and stenting, treating heart attacks in the middle of the night, kind of the adrenaline rush that we can get as cardiologists. And 1990, long ago, uh, moved back to the state of Michigan, and I've been either in Ann Arbor or the Detroit area and Detroit itself since 1990, so quite a while. been you know, taking care of tens of thousands of patients over the years. So how did you uh, get interested in... Um plant-based nutrition were you always that way or does somebody give you a light bulb so to speak yeah the bullet points are short but grew up in a traditional actually kosher jewish home but we had goulash and we had roast beef and all kinds of you know different cooking my mother was a very good cook uh first day undergraduate university of michigan first visit to the cafeteria i became a vegetarian it was like a religious experience it was like Oh, my God, that stuff looks horrible. At least there's a salad bar. It's actually a true story. That was 1977, and I've never had a burger since. Um, and I was with my girlfriend at the time. has been my wife for 35 years. She had the same general reaction. So we kind of started down the path and then got handed the book, Diet for a New America, by John Robbins, by a vegan Harry Krishna, and it just resonated and um, really moved further and... Uh, truly, I mentioned the year 1990, I finished my training. I came back to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and my sole goal was to put a balloon in every artery that had blockage and, you know, and all that. But three weeks later, Dean Ornish exploded that uh, vision because he published the Lifestyle Heart Trial three weeks after I started. I had read it, and then I read it a second time, then I read it a third time, then I got pissed off. I didn't know who he was, but I said, what's this guy reversing blockages without a balloon. I just spent seven years training to do it with a balloon. He was doing it with a fork and a spoon. So I uh, was eating the way Dean Ornish had described in the Lifestyle Heart Trial. I just didn't know that it could reverse plaque. In fact, nobody in the world knew that. 
So I just said, you know what, I'll uh, join his army while I stay on my balloon army, and kind of did both for a lot of years, but became more and more interested in nutrition, prevention, metabolism, and um, have largely been practicing preventive cardiology now, uh, and went back to university, started blogging, writing books, doing interviews, and uh, always been an educator. I have loved talking to the public anywhere, whether they're fifth graders or been to nursing homes. I don't care where. You can start eating better today. You might feel better in a week or less. So tell me that first experience going back to the uh, cafeteria. Why did you turn really change to be a vegetarian? Was it because the food looked so bad or why? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. It looked so bad. I had, and I think it helps people to have a fence around what they eat. If you have no rules, it'll be a rattlesnake, and if you're not careful, you're a golden retriever. So having been brought up keeping kosher, I had rules. I wasn't going to eat ham and cheese together. Um, and so when I looked around, it, it was both the vibrancy of the salad bar and the uh, obvious grayness of everything else. Uh, the only uh, final funny note to that story, because that was 1977, is about four months ago I lectured a 1,000 registered dietitians in Lansing, Michigan at the end of the talk. A gentleman, older gentleman, walked up to me and he goes, I was the food director in your dorm <laughs> in 1977. He goes, that was a funny story. He goes, I had about a dollar and a quarter a day to feed you guys. And, you know, the salad bar was the best choice. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great that's a great story. Well, you always, you obviously have some life to your voice. I can tell you love to teach and be out there. So how do you... How, how do you start presenting this to your patients now that you believe in it so strongly? Do people come to you just for this approach, or do you take someone who doesn't believe in this at all and change them? Yeah, and it's the whole spectrum. Um, you know, there's probably three, four, five maybe cardiologists in the state of Michigan that could be identified as plant-based cardiologists. That's a few more than there were 10 years ago when I was, you know, one or two. Um, so people will come to me just because they're tired of trying uh, to convince their doctor that what they're doing is right or they're tired of their doctor trying to talk them out of it. And so they come prepackaged. They're Ornish or they're Esselstyn or they're Bernard or they're McDougal or there's some hybrid they've come up with, uh, whatever it is, and that's easy, and I support them. And, you know, there isn't that much difference taking care of a vegan heart patient from a omnivorous one they're just usually healthier and i don't see them as often because they're bathing their arteries and generally artery friendly blood from uh, what they're eating and body friendly blood um and then there's the other end of the spectrum i mean this is 2016 and three days ago a gentleman came to see me uh, frustrated with standard medical care had two open heart bypasses five stents this is over the course of 25 years had seen seven cardiologists I said to him, are you aware that the way you eat makes a difference? Have you ever heard of Forks Over Knives, Ornish, Esselstyn, you know, China study, on and on? Not once had anybody turned to him and said, you might help your very severe heart disease with your pattern of eating. So, I mean, talk about a clean slate that I wish somebody would have talked to 15, 20 years ago. But, you know, I've got to start from ground zero. I mean, he doesn't know quinoa from kale and you know i gotta really you know go slow with him because i don't want him running away from me i want him to really adopt this uh so it's the whole spectrum how do you get somebody started like that so you've, you've had your initial office visit you said a little spiel but how do you get that person that that newbie who knows nothing to get started in this direction 
Yeah, so I've practiced in settings where I have, you know, 12 minutes with a patient, and I've created a situation now in my clinic, the con center, where I typically have at least an hour with a new patient. And in either setting, I've got to teach, and I either have to teach a little faster or a little slower. So in my current setting, I have the data up on my walls from Dr. Ornish's study, Dr. Esselstyn's study. I have their books in my office. I know the pages to open to. I show them pictures before and after of angiograms. I show them the charts that came out of Dr. Ornish's work, the fact that 91% of angina attacks went away in three weeks. And I can go through that pretty quickly, and they've never heard it. They had no idea. And, of course, you know, encourage them to buy the books. You know, now, and I used to take out my prescription pad and write on there, watch for, you know, Forks Over Knives came out in about 2011. It was a huge advance in, you know, using my time more effectively. And I'd say, you have to watch this. This is your homework. I'd write it on a prescription pad. I might write the China study. Um, I might write, you know, Dr. Esselstyn's book, um, reversing, uh, prevent and reverse heart disease. And I'd really hold him to it. I'd put it in my notes that I told them to do that so the next visit I would remember to quiz them on it. Uh, one of the breakthroughs I just saw in the last week, there's a wonderful plant-based medical project called the Plantrition Project. And it's plantritionproject.org, I imagine. It could be .com, I'm not sure. They created their own prescription pad that any doctor could use. It's just a checkoff. Watch Forks Over Knives, visit our site, uh, watch nutritionfacts.org, go to Ruby and take an online cooking class, kind of some great references. So I've added that. And uh, what I also do is, you know, very few people have good cooking skills. So there's five or six companies now, like 22 Days Nutrition. I don't have interest in any of these. So Vistro, Forks Over Knives, Plant Pure Nation, and they'll deliver amazing plant-based meals to your home for a price, but they're good. And some of them have no added oil to follow the Esselstyn. Some are organic to follow your desire in that regard. And I've tried them all, so I tell people, look at for a couple, three weeks, spend a few dollars, see how amazing this is. Of course, if they're in Detroit, I'm going to invite them to my restaurant. So <laughs> it's very typical. I'll see a new patient at 2 o'clock, and then I'll see them at 5.30 <laughs> at my restaurant because I give them a card. I don't, you know, it's not a requirement. So, you know, and then you just, got to follow up the one other unique thing i'm sure your listeners don't know but we have in detroit and it's a long answer to a good question is about two and a half years ago a gentleman called me and said you're not my cardiologist i live in detroit but i follow the esselstyn diet like a zealot but i'm lonely nobody in my family knows what i'm doing my friends think i'm nuts can we make a support group can we get some people around and once in a while can we um you know have a potluck or something like that and i said absolutely should have done it long ago and uh, this gentleman named Paul Chatlin, we got a room at the hospital expecting 20 people to show up, and about 150 people showed up February 2014, snowy day. And we said, let's do it again in March. Another snowy day, 160 people showed up. Well, that support group now has over 2,000 members in the larger Detroit area. Um, and we meet once a month, and we might have local speakers. We might invite in Dr. Esselstyn, Dr. Barnard, uh, other speakers, Juliana Hever, plant-based dietitian and such. And it's really become a great thing. I just plug people into that. I tell them, you know, there's a meeting in three weeks, and, um, you know, it, it's a nominal charge, and you're going to have more friends than you ever thought that are fighting the same battle. So uh, every city could do it. We have really no financial support, so it's very grassroots, low budget, and uh, therefore it's reproducible. So it's called the plantbasednutritionsupportgroup.org. 
but now we usually use the five letters, pbnsg.org. And there's so many references on there. I encourage anybody um, to, uh, you know, take a look. That's awesome. Now, do you follow up with your, when is your next follow up with your patient? The one, you, the initial office that you just saw? Um, it depends. But with the testing I do, it's usually about three weeks because there's labs and other things to go over. Well, let's talk about the, the testing. Do you care about inflammatory markers in the blood vessels, and do you do endopad or endothelial function testing, or you just do a simple lipid? And yes, 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 yes. That's right. what I call high-tech, high-touch, high-fiber. <laughs> um, that's my approach to cardiology. I mean, I, I refuse to practice the way I did 25 years ago. I mean, if, you know, we're progressing, and yet I see, I see patients coming to me third opinion, fourth opinion from the Cleveland Clinic Mayo Clinic, and got, they got routine labs. They got them from a guy in a blue blazer who spent a lot of time and charged a lot of money, and that's a compliment, not a... But they're not advanced cholesterol profiles. They're not advanced inflammatory profiles. This new marker called TMAO from the Cleveland Clinic, I, I can go on and on. So I get every marker I can, every genetic, reasonably cardiac-oriented, because I want to personalize their care. I can't tell you how many of my patients have a, these are fancy words, a homozygous homocysteine defect, and they need B-complex vitamins. I don't care if they're a vegan or they're a bull eater. They need B-complex vitamins of a certain kind, and they may have APOE. So I tailor to them. Yes, I do endopad. I do carotid intimomedial thickness testing because I want to demonstrate. I can't do what Dr. Ornish did, which is, sign them up to repeat their heart catheterization using the kind of quantitative measures he did that proved without doubt that his uh, program reversed coronary disease. So I've got to use something I can do, which is a carotid ultrasound that's, you know, non-radiation. So, yeah, I've really got a very small but very advanced office that allows me to dive deep. And then it, it boiled down to just changing your diet, exercising, getting a night's sleep. But I also believe you can take a vegan diet for a heart patient and you can add to it and accelerate it with this advanced testing and sometimes supplementation. So I go off down my own road to kind of a heart disease reversal plus. Well, let's look at your diet. Is it the typical four food group, no oil, um, vegan diet, uh, as Esselton, Barnard, and, and company, or do you vary from that um, in your ideal setting? In your ideal setting. No, ideal setting, I would, you know, so it's personalized. And I completely consistent with what Dr. Ornish and Dr. Esselton would say. This gentleman I saw three days ago who is truly one of the first people I've seen in a while that can't walk to the mailbox without angina, on good therapy, getting other stuff. You know, he can't negotiate the diet. The only diet that's ever been shown to be beneficial and stop his angina and get him better quick is going to be the complete immersion into the Ornish no-edit oil, the, uh, although Ornish just approved a few nuts in your diet, a big revolution in his program. Dr. Esselstyn's still far from that. You know, that kind of, you know, and I totally, I'd send people down to see Dr. Esselstyn. It's only three hours. But then there's the spectrum. And, of course, Dr. Ornish wrote a book by that name, but Dr. Esselstyn speaks about it, too. You know, if you're not, so many of my patients I see are early in their cardiovascular course, and I've documented plaque, but early. I mean, they may not need, they may be able to eat an avocado and a handful of nuts. And if something had a little drizzle of oil, not run from it. I respect those that run from it, and if they have serious heart disease like Paul Chatlin, wonderful choice. But, you know, I can reach a broad audience. I have people that eat meat and fish. I, you know, based on even just this week, 
um, news about increased mortality with meat eaters, decreased mortality with plant eaters from Harvard. Uh, I just had a piece in the Huffington Post today on that topic. It's been hot news all over. I mean, I encourage them to get educated, stay away from bacon, salami, hot dogs, processed red meats because it's nothing but poison. And when hospitals serve it, they're uh, crossing the line into completely unethical, um, you know, patient and guest service. But even in your own home, stay as far away. But, um, you know, there's no doubt the health of the nation would go up if people simply ate more fruits and vegetables. If they did that and then decreased and eliminated their meat, they'd be even healthier, and so would our planet. So, I, you know, I try and push them down that road, but, you know, you, you can't change a person if they don't want to be changed. We are talking to Joel Kahn, MD, director of the Kahn Center for Cardiac Longevity, and I want to stay on the oil thing for a little bit because it tends to be one of the most confusing thing to my patients, other doctors. So tell right. me your two cents about, you've kind of given your two cents about added oils in the diet, but are you going to extrapolate that to olive oil, then you're going to extrapolate it to fish oil, and et cetera. So tell me your oil theory, so to speak. Yeah, you know, it's not based on huge amount of data. Um, you know, I asked Dr. Ornish, why in the 19, late 1970s, when he started to design patient trials, why he didn't add oil into his largely plant-based diet. He had a couple exceptions to it being a completely plant-based diet, like egg whites. And honestly, he got his input from his very esteemed yoga in, um, input in his life, Sachi Danda, I, I may have said that wrong, because um, there wasn't much research on oil in the late 1970s. You know, in the early 1990s, a cardiologist, Dr. Robert Vogel, dissected the Mediterranean diet, uh, one of my former professors, a man I hold in high regard, and he certainly published data that suggested in the Mediterranean diet the fruits, the vegetables, the whole grains, maybe even the fish were artery-friendly, but olive oil caused some deterioration in artery function, and that's created the basis that olive oil may actually not be good for your heart. Now, I'm going to admit you, if you took all 15 or 20 studies on olive oil and artery function, they're all over the map. And my favorite one is if you have olive oil with red wine, it's artery neutral. <laughs> um, you know, and in that same study that Dr. Vogel showed that olive oil may deteriorate artery function, one of the controls used canola oil. And canola oil was actually artery neutral. It wasn't detrimental. So I, I, I don't rock the boat there. With this gentleman I saw three or four days ago with people struggling with weight excess, reversal of type 2 diabetes, I would encourage him. Uh, certainly patterned also of Dr. Neil Barnard and his success in you know, reversing diabetes partially or completely, which I've also done in my patients, I would adopt the diet I eat in my house 99% of the time, which is I saute in vegetable stock or fruit juice or wine or water or steam. You know, I, I eat a very low oil diet as a very healthy 57-year-old. But again, the spectrum. I mean, do you need to throw out food that the fourth ingredient is non-GMO, you know, canola oil? I don't think for the masses you need to throw that food product out or avoid it. Um, and I have to say it's still unclear. We actually know that a lot of olive oil that says extra virgin is not authentic. There's a lot of fraud in that industry. So I don't know even if the studies were done. They were done long enough ago. Hopefully there wasn't as much fraud as there is now. Uh, but, um, you know, I think the, 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 the whole topic needs to be updated a bit. But when we're dealing with obesity and diabetes, 
we don't need the highest calorie content food in excess. We need it, you know, as a minimum. And I'm certainly anti-coconut oil craze, simply no basis, and a whole lot of reason to be concerned about adding both the calories and the very high saturated fat. So, yeah, I am pro low or no oil as a good mantra. Uh, It's just good for weight control. How about using fish oil in your vascular patients for any reason? Yeah, you know, so that's where I do advanced testing. You can measure the levels of omega-3 in the blood and in red cell membranes. I do it routinely. My vegans can be low. My non-vegans can be low. It's not particular to vegans. We might be a little bit more susceptible because, of course, we have usually zero fish in our diet by definition. And, you know, and I'm a giant fan of two tablespoons of ground flaxseed a day plus walnuts plus chia plus, um, you know, green leafies of omega-3. Um, I w- there are some of my people that take um, really high-quality fish oils. I'm pretty confident there's no heavy metals like mercury in them. I don't know if there's any PCBs or um, other um, persistent organic pollutants because nobody that I know of absolutely tests for them. So I, I am gun-shy about that. But when somebody who's non-vegan is severely low, um, and maybe their blood sugar's up or their triglycerides are up, I'll use uh, fish oil still, and it's still FDA-approved. And you know, there's been some controversy about its role in prostate cancer and such. But. How about um, other nutritional supplements just in general, from B12 to CoQ10 to magnesium to whatever? Did you use any? Mm, I'm getting hungry because that's all the stuff I take every day. Yeah, <laughs> vegans, B12, and... Uh, heart patients, blood pressure patients, diabetic patients, statin patients, congestive heart failure patients. I uh, routinely have people on CoQ10. Statin patients, because statins lower the production of CoQ10, a very important antioxidant and a very important heart energy uh, substrate to make ATP. So I have my congestive heart failure patients on a huge amount of CoQ10, and they respond. They feel better. Their ejection fraction, which is a measure of heart strength, goes up. That's scientifically proven, so I'm not off in some la-la land. It's just my cardiology colleagues largely ignore the study two and a half years ago that showed that you can live longer if you have advanced heart disease with taking supplemental CoQ10. I don't ignore the study. I think it's amazing. But I use a lot of supplements. Uh, There are Half a dozen supplements have been shown to stop or possibly reverse coronary disease without any dietary change. Vitamin K2, there's a herb called Gotu-Cola, um, and such. So I'm very, yeah, there's actually data that aged garlic extract mm-hmm. can halt heart disease. And this is not three patients studied in an ashram. This is university-based peer-reviewed research that, yeah, largely gets ignored. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. I'm sure, I want people to eat garlic and onions. It's a great source of sulfur and uh, helps produce glutathione and such a great antioxidant. But if the studies used aged garlic extract capsules and demonstrated that your carotid disease stops progressing, I put people on aged garlic extract capsules because I'm going to hold as pure to that as I'm going to hold as pure to the Esselstyn diet because they're both science. I got it. How about the controversial carnitine? Have you ousted carnitine from your cardiac armamentarium? Interesting question, because I measured TMAO. Right. And some people are taking carnitine and their TMAO levels normal, so they must have the right bacteria. Those are my dogs in the background. No problem. They know that I'm going to be eating them for dinner. (laughs) Nope, I don't practice carnism. Let me shut the door. All right.
That's just a Bible salesman at the door. Got them all riled up. Um, you know, so I don't know if that's the right approach. Carnitine has been shown after heart attack to augment cardiac performance. Carnitine can lower lipoprotein A, which is a rather sticky, bad form of cholesterol. Carnitine can help in congestive heart failure and with cholesterol control. So it's not my go-to supplement, but I use it at times. But now that we can measure TMAO, this amazing new molecule that may be really rotten for kidneys and heart arteries, um, if people are high and they're on carnitine, I stop their carnitine, and lo and behold, um, you know, I also ask them to stop eating red meat if they're eating red meat, mm-hmm. um, lo and behold, and fish. Fish is actually sometimes higher in carnitine than um, red meat. It just recently shown a study that if you feed people fish or feed people red meat, their TMAO blood levels go even higher with fish consumption. So I will try and keep TMAO levels down because it seems like a nasty new molecule. It really hurts, as I said, arteries and kidneys. Um, but if you're on carnitine and your TMAO level's normal and there's some reason you should be taking it or might be taking it, I, I will go with it. So I, that's, again, we can move, I think, our quality and our uh, sophistication forward ahead with you know, this now recently available blood test. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you say that because I do the Cleveland Heart Lab inflammation panel and TMAO on, on ADMA and all those on everybody. And <laughs> funny, the first high I had was uh, somebody who said she was a vegan. <laughs> and it turned out yeah. she was uh, cheating on cheese all over the place. But I'm glad you put it in the context that you did because that helps me. And I, that's the way I feel. So excellent. So cerebrovascular disease and peripheral vascular disease, do you see as much benefit from your type of approach as the heart heart vascular disease, so to speak? I have to defer for peripheral vascular disease to Dr. Esselstyn because I visited with him and I've talked to his patients. And he's had people with just terrible, you know, leg pain and walking claudication that resolves or improves dramatically with his dietary program so if I have but I just don't see many people like that I mean and I actually never have over the 26 years I've been doing cardiology I've had very few people very limited by claudication you know some a little bit limited so uh, cerebrovascular it's an interesting question I mean nobody's shown that Dr. Ornish Dr. Esselstyn program reduces stroke rate at least to my knowledge even though you know, Dr. Esselstyn's program has gotten to some pretty big numbers, and Dr. Ornish's and the Pritikin program to very big numbers. Um, you know, the main measures have been bypass dent, death rates. That's why Medicare approved Medicare approved the Ornish and the Pritikin program largely because they save money to Medicare, which is a good outcome. If you save money, it's because people are usually healthier. But I'm not aware of any data, so the question is, what do I think is going on? I mean, it absolutely should not all stroke is due to occluded carotids. Some strokes are due to blood pressure. Some strokes are due to clotting disorders and fibrillation. You know, and these dietary programs may not have a big input directly on those processes. But, you know, for my patients that have carotid artery narrowing, this is, of course, the right recommendation to go plant-based, lower no-added oil, uh, and maybe some of the supplements we mentioned. Um, a lot of the studies, for example, the aged garlic extract study was done using carotid ultrasound pre and post. So that's the easiest artery to measure in some of these research studies. How much um, statins, do you, statins do you use? Since if you if people really went on your diet, you wouldn't need a whole lot of statins. So tell me how that works in your practice. Yeah, I, I I'm not the cardiologist that's going to go on a program and say never use them. These are the most dangerous drugs. 
We might say that in five to ten years because we didn't say anything about statins five years ago, and now we're cautious. We didn't say anything about Prilosec five years ago, a heartburn drug, and now we're cautious because of data. So it may continue to escalate the blood sugar elevation, of course, muscle aching patient yesterday. Every time he takes a statin, his memory goes down. He stops his statin. His memory comes back. I mean, there are clearly people like that. It's not the majority, though. So I'll use statins if I have to. I try and use as low a dose. I have people on every third day, every other day. And I know that's not normative. You know, 95% of my cardiology colleagues love statins or just believe they're the right thing. I mean, I try and work, like you say, with lifestyle, correcting blood sugar, correcting thyroid function, changing diet, exercise, weight control, managing stress. When you meditate, your cholesterol goes down. When you deal with cortisol excess, your cholesterol goes down. I love getting people to have some stress management program, whether it's meditation or yoga or herbal adaptogens like rhodiola. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, see if we can get their cholesterol down. Um, But if needed, I use statins with CoQ10. I use Zetia, the new PCSK9 inhibitors I have a few people on. we got to watch those drugs carefully because they're just brand new. But there's a lot. If people are willing to do a complex program, there's a lot of supplements that lower cholesterol. Obviously, niacin, red yeast rice, turmeric, uh, polycosinol, on and on. And there are some of the vitamin companies have these in pre-packed kind of programs that can, based on peer-reviewed data, lower cholesterol 30 40%. So, you know, if people just won't tolerate their statin or don't want to go on one, there's plenty of other options. What is a uh, day of eating for Dr. Joel Kahn? What's a typical day? Yeah, I'm, I love food. I'm in the restaurant business. Um, I, you know, I work very long hours doing everything I do. So morning is either uh, chia pudding with some blueberries. Everything's got spices, so it's going to have cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, um, turmeric, something on it. And so chia pudding, it might be a quick Nutribullet. I call it a chewy. I don't I don't run my Nutribullet very long with its kale and its blueberries and its flax and its spices. Uh, I suddenly put black beans in my Nutribullet, but I just run it for a little bit so that it's still coarse. I, I want to chew my food a little bit. There's something about that and making nitric oxide. Dr. Esselstyn mm-hmm. talks about that. Um, could be oatmeal on the road. It's usually oatmeal. I mean, I'll skip breakfast now and then, but I actually like breakfast. Sometimes it's in the car. Not a very mindful way to eat, but right. blueberries in the car do a good job. Um, I bring my lunch every day. It's in a glass container. It used to be in a plastic container. Sometimes it's leftovers in the restaurant. It's bean bowls and burritos and um, zoodles. And I mean, it could be anything. It's always plant-based. It's always low oil. And... Um, Usually with a piece of fruit or some cherries or something. Um, if I snack, it's pretty good snacks. It's walnuts. It might be um, some kind of organic whole wheat grain bar. I don't. I don't like food bars. I haven't really found a, a vegan food bar. I go, aha, that's amazing. I mean, they're they're out there. I just haven't found the one that is worth the calories. Dinner lately is at my bar at my restaurant, so I have. 35 entrees to choose from or something. Um, a few restaurants around town I just love and eat out. My wife's a very good cook, but we've sort of transitioned into spending a couple hours most nights at the restaurant. I've traveled the world as a vegan. I just came back from a vegan tour of southern Italy. It was unbelievable about three weeks ago, south of Naples. I'm leading a vegan tour of southern Italy with Juliana Hever, June 10th, 2017. That's going to be unbelievable. So um, I just 
on our way out of Italy, we stopped in Rome for a night. I went to um, uh, help, uh, happycow.com. I find out that one of the most elegant restaurants in Rome is on a rooftop overlooking St. Peter's, and it's vegan. It's on top of Hotel Raphael. I mean, one of the best meals I've ever had in my life, both in terms of ambience and food. So I don't know. I enjoy it. I, uh, I love being challenged and coming up with side dishes or, I don't know, if I'm hungry once in a while, it's, it's actually a good thing. <laughs> and your restaurant's doing great. We're busy. You know, it's the restaurant business. It's, we don't print money in the restaurant business. <laughs> We're in the, uh, you know, you got to please everybody every day, and we love that. But it's going very well uh, in a, you know, in a, in a world where elegant, large, full liquor service vegan restaurants are pretty rare between New York and L.A. We seat like 130 people, so it's no small place. We're actually very pleased with the public response and the growing support that we've had for the last nine months. And so in, and so in closing, if I said to you, if you were the, um, the czar of health and you could snap your fingers and have everybody eat the diet that you are promoting, would we have cardiologists, many more cardiologists? Would we wipe out heart disease? Yeah, if, if you really said, I mean, and I'll just very self-promoting, if we just serve people green space cafe food three <laughs> meals a day across the United States, I mean, you still have to sleep, exercise, not smoke. And, and as you said, there are some advanced testing that isn't completely addressed by diet alone. You might have a MTHFR defect or other things. But nonetheless, you would drop heart rates, rates of adult diabetes, rates of obesity, blood pressure, and such by... 70%, 80%, I mean, you know, huge amounts. I mean, food really is, food matters, food is medicine, food is the magic, food makes your life mindful. And, um, you know, we just don't buy Ferraris and put lemonade in them. We put premium gas, but we have absolutely no appreciation that that needs to be even more critically done, you know, for our own health and bodies. Well, Dr. Khan, I'll let you go. You took half hour of your busy day. I thank you very much. It was really good. I, I really enjoy the way you practice cardiology and integrate everything. You know, you're not locked into too much. You're not absolutely locked into one specific area and you add to it. So I really like that. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, for your listeners, the thing I struggle with now that I own a plant-based restaurant is, I mean, veganism is macho. And I deal with that all the time. I, you know, my husband wouldn't come in because he's a meat eater, so I came in with my girlfriends. I mean, you know, you know, if you want to ever have an erection, guys, read about plant-based nutrition. If you want to maintain your sexual health, you know, it's cool to care about animals. It's cool to care about the environment. It's, you know, you get more chicks coming at you if you eat this way. So <laughs> I speak out to my, my I call my, uh, I'm the professor. they call me sometimes, because I like talking about sexual health and plant-based nutrition. Because it, it's real. I mean, arteries everywhere are cleaner. But, you know, so uh, I just want to make sure that that word goes out there, that uh, it works for all of the arteries. <laughs> that's, aw that's awesome. That was a great, that was a great closing. you got to put a smile on my face. So I want okay. <laughs> to thank you, the audience, for listening to this edition of the Staying Healthy Today show. You go to stayinghealthytoday.com. It'll be up on iTunes. And we'll have links to... Dr. Khan's office and obviously his wonderful restaurant. So, Dr. Khan, thanks again so much. It was a pleasure. You be well.